is the Good Guy Grant Podcast. I'm your host, Grant. Coming up on today's show, I want to talk to Stephen A. Smith. He had some controversial comments, again, to say about women in UFC and mixed martial arts. Talk a little MLB, as I want to talk about the proposal that the Major League Baseball Players Union rejected. I want to talk NBA, a little bit of Super Bowl, but not very much. I want to start off by, first and foremost, apologizing for one of the tweets I sent out. I actually who jumped on the Trevor Bauer thing a little bit too early when it came to you know, what he was going to do and things like that. I had him going to the Mets per multiple MLB writers who I follow on social media. Ultimately, the MLB writers were wrong, and Trevor Bauer ended up signing with the L.A. Dodgers. He is from the L.A. area, for people that don't know. Um, that was one of the reasons why he decided to sign with them. So ultimately, that's on me. Um, and when I, I am stuff like that. Um, so the, the biggest thing that I wanted to get out of that is when you do talk about reporting and things like that, both MLP or people that work for ESPN usually do an accuracy of about 75% unless you're Adam Schefter, unless you're Woj, uh, they're usually about 95% on accuracy of their tweets and posts and what they're talking about. But if you work for ESPN, the average is about 75% accuracy on everything you report. Me, I want to be higher than 75. I want to be in the 90s. Um, so I got that one wrong. But Trevor Bauer signs with the Dodgers, who did win the uh, World Series last year. He got the opt-out. After the first couple of years of that deal, the first year of that deal, he makes $40 million. Second year, he makes forty-five. But if he has a really good season in 2021 with the Dodgers, he can opt out and go into free agency again. That was one of the main things uh, Trevor Bauer wants to do. He wants the deal to handle his contract and be able to dictate where he wants to go. So my apologies on that. I want to thank the viewers that tuned in to the last episode. It was actually a record high episode. Um, I actually doubled. The output from two episodes ago to the last episode, which is really good, so thank you for that. I want to first start off talking to Stephen A. Smith. For people who don't know Stephen A. Smith, he's the, one of the main people on ESPN. He's on First Take. He has a radio show. He's been around for quite a while um, when you look at it. He's 53. He's from New York. He's a big, let's say, Knicks fan. He went to school in Winston-Salem, which is North Carolina. He played basketball down there. He's been in journalism for since 94, so he's been around the block for a while. I actually respected him when he was a journalist. He worked alongside the NBA in Philadelphia, but he also worked alongside uh, with the Knicks as well, so that's how he got a lot of information on the Knicks. Where I didn't like what he is, what Steve Naismith did, he started working for ESPN back in... It's like 2009, 2008, give or take. And he did a little bit of reporting for the NBA back then, but not huge. Once he got the first take, he basically has this platform to where he can basically say whatever he wants and gets away with it. And he had an issue with UFC fighters and MMA fighters being women fighting each other in the octagon. He said, I don't want to see women fighting in the octagon. And when they pressed him about it, and they said, well, why? He said, because I just don't feel like it. This is not 
the first time Stephen A. Smith had an issue with women. He had the issue, for people that don't remember, with Ray Rice. So when Ray Rice got in trouble for basically dragging his wife and beating her in that elevator, Stephen A. Smith on first take came out and said that women should examine their role in provoking domestic violence incidents. ESPN heard the comments when he said on first take, they suspended him for a week. Basically, it was, you know, slap on the wrist, things like that. Stephen A. Smith had issues dropping the N-word on national television as well. A lot of the things he talks about, he doesn't fact check a lot of the things he talks about. He just talks gibberish. And people won't call him out on it. I don't know why. Because he has this platform. Stephen A. Smith is one of the highest paid on-air talent ESPN has. He makes a little over $7 million a year at ESPN. First takes numbers have went down ever since Skip Bayless left. Of course, Skip Bayless went to Fox. His show sucks. He's with uh, Shannon Sharp. That's not a great uh, show either. But first take, so it's Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith right now. When Stephen A. Smith comes out saying that UFC fighters, women, have no right to be in the octagon. That is absolutely ridiculous. Women have as much a right to fight in the octagon as men. And whether the viewership or whatnot is different when the women fight and the men, you know, that's hearsay, whatever. I mean, I remember, you know, a few years ago, Ronda Rousey was kicking everybody's ass in the UFC and everybody loved it. What was wrong with that? What's wrong with people like Holly Holmes all those that were different fighters. You know, Molly McCann came out. She's in flyweight. McCann came out who fights in the UFC. She says, how can you say that when you're on such a platform? How can you say that? He's talking about Stephen A. Smith. Could you imagine Serena Williams watching this? It's not just a fighter who'll have offended. It's every sportswoman and maybe every sportsman. Stephen A. Smith needs to give his head a wobble. When I win Saturday, I'm going to say something on the microphone. I'll see you in the car park. UFC fighters, if Stephen A. Smith shows up to any of these fights, they will go after him because of these comments. They're not, men aren't happy. I saw Conor McGregor didn't like what Stephen A. Smith had to say. He's a UFC fighter. He wants Stephen A. Smith to apologize for his comments. ESPN did not suspend Stephen A. for the comments that he made, which were wrong. Stephen A. Smith should own up to what he did. And basically, take back what he said, apologize to all women that he's offended, and basically do the right thing. Now, will Stephen A. Smith do the right thing? No. I don't expect Stephen A. Smith to do the right thing. Why? Because of Stephen A. Smith. He's one of those guys who thinks he's on a platform, who he's really good, and yada, yada, yada. He's basically untouchable at ESPN. And it's not true. Stephen A. Smith is just a regular ESPN person who just thinks he's above everybody else, and it's wrong. You're not above anybody else. You're just a guy who caught a break. Now you're on first take, which that show, by the way, is horrible. Max Kellerman was better when he was on the show. horrible. He doesn't challenge Stephen A. Smith like Skip Bayless did. His men would be better bringing Sibbeos back 
and putting Skip Bayless and Steve Smith back together. Will they? No. Fox, Fox is paying Skip Bayless a good amount of money. ESPN did not. They went cheaper with Max Kellerman route, who Max Kellerman was on HBO Boxing, was let go because HBO stopped doing boxing, so Max Kellerman goes to ESPN. He goes the first take, and that was with Stephen A. How could first take have a women host? It's Molly. It's Jalen Rose's wife. I can't remember her entire last name off the top of my head. When she hears Stephen A. Smith say that, how can she go and just keep doing her job? I don't understand that. Again, women have the same rights as men. That is wrong for Stephen A. Smith to say that, and he should be fired. Time after time after time, he's dropped the N-bomb on national television. He said the thing when the Ray Rice thing happened. And now this is how long is ESPN going to put up with this? And the reason I'm saying this is because the ratings are not even that great. ESPN's had to lay off so many staff the past few years because their ratings are down. ESPN Plus subscriptions are not what they're supposed to be. They're not getting the, the numbers or the ratings that they want. So ESPN's had to lay off a lot of staff. But Stephen A. Smith making over $7 million gets to keep his job. It doesn't make sense. I hope ESPN does the right thing and gets Stephen A. Smith off off the airways. Do I think they will? No. Um, I want to change topics a little bit. Uh, for people who don't know, we had the Who the Fuck Is That Guy segment past couple episodes where I examine an NBA team and I pick a player I've never heard of. I want to focus on... I want to focus on the Houston Rockets as the team for this week. Of course, I got to do the sound bite. He's hitting 145 pounds, the real hardest hitting 145 are right here. This guy TKOs people. When I knock people out, they don't fucking move. Oh, yeah? Who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> I love when Conor McGregor says that. I'm not a Conor McGregor fan, but I love when he says that. He was talking about uh, Jeremy Stevens, who's also UFC during that clip, just a heads up. But the team on the focus, like I said, Houston Rockets. They have Christian Wood, who they signed in the offseason, who's averaging a double-double. He just has to get healthy. You got John Wall on the team. Victor Oladipo, who they traded for. Which there's actually rumors that Victor Oladipo's on the trade block again. He is in the last year of his contract. That's something to keep in mind. But the player I want to focus on is Mason Jones. Mason Jones, for people that don't know, he doesn't play a ton of minutes. So, so far this season, he's played 13 minutes. Sorry, I had the other game up. 13 uh, games, played 11.8 minutes, averaged 6.6 points a game, a little over one assist, two rebounds. He shot 55%, so when he's in the game, he shoots the ball well. The big issue with him, and he's a shooting guard. He averages 1.5 assists a game, but he turns the ball over 1.2 a game. So basically, you're, you're almost getting as many assists as turnovers a game. Now, he's not a point guard, so I'm not too focused on that. He's six foot four, 200 pounds. He's out of Arkansas. But his way to the NBA was kind of interesting. He played college ball at Connors State. From 2017 to 2018. While he was at Connor State, he averaged 15.5 points a game. 
He played 35 games, started 25, shot 51% from the field, averaged almost seven rebounds. Not bad for a guy, 6'4". Transfers to Arkansas. His first season at Arkansas, 2018-2019, he averages 13.6, plays 29 minutes. Comes back for his last season at Arkansas, plays 33 minutes a game, almost 34 actually, averages 22 points. So this is a guy who played at Connor State. What is Connor State? It's a community college. I'm looking at their Wikipedia right now. Connor State College is the Connor State School of Agriculture. Total administration staff is 100. Total amount of students, 2,350. This is on Wikipedia. Their mascot is Cowboys. Hey, I'm cool with that. I'm a Cowboys fan. That's fine. But yes. So Jones goes from playing at a community college at Connor State, goes to the SEC for two years at Arkansas. People think he's going to be possible late second round to undrafted in the 2020 draft. Goes undrafted. No team picks him up in the draft. That's the thing with the NBA draft also. There's only two rounds. It's not like in the NFL where you get seven or baseball when you get like 50 or something. Or even there's more rounds even in the NHL. But the NBA only has two. So Jones gets a tryout with the Houston Rockets in preseason. Plays well. Earns a two-way contract with the Rockets. And what that is, and we've talked about this previous, you have the option to play down the G League if you're not getting a lot of time, or you stay up with the big club. So he gets in a few games with the Houston Rockets, like I said. So far he's played 13 games. Averages about 11 minutes when he gets in. It's not bad. 6.6 points a game. His big game was Saturday, January 23rd. That was against the Mavericks. It was at Dallas. He had 16 points, 5 rebounds, shot 75% from the field. The Rockets won that game. He is now in the G League because the G League just started up. He's with the Rio Grand Valley Vipers. Again, it's a two-way contract, so he gets a chance to Get a lot of minutes in the G League, develop his skills. And if the Rockets need him, they can call him back up. He was an SEC co-player of the year when he played for Arkansas in 2020, so pretty good. First team All-SEC. Goes to the Rockets, like I said, as an undrafted player. He's playing in the G League. But yes, Mason Jones is the who the fuck is that guy. As far as the Rockets are concerned, I actually don't mind what the Rockets are doing. As weird as it sounds, I like how Christian Wood is is playing this season. He's averaging a double-double. and We've talked about him previously on the episodes. I think he's been an absolute steal so far in free agency. They got John Wall, who I think they're building around. I think he's playing... He's not playing at all-star level, but he's, he's getting there. You remember John Wall's coming off an injury last couple years. Hasn't played a lot of games. Victor Oladipo, who they got... In the pay, from the Pacers in that trade. He's in the last year of his deal, so they're either going to trade him or they're going to have him play it out and he'll become a free agent. Eric Gordon coming off the bench is a good six man. I like him off the bench. Jay Sean Tate, who's an undrafted player at Ohio State, he played overseas for a little bit and then got a tryout with the Rockets. He's actually a good 3 and D player. He's better on defense than his offensive game, but He's young to where the Rockets can have him as a role player, which is good. 
You got P.J. Tucker, who I think they're going to trade to a contender just because P.J. Tucker knows that the Rockets are not going to win a championship. He's getting up there in age. So I think the Rockets are going to try to trade him if they can. You got DeMarcus Cousins as your backup center. He signed that one-year deal. DeMarcus Cousins, when was asked about when James Harden got traded, DeMarcus Cousins said, I'm here to play with John Wall. I'm not here to play with James Harden. And I thought that was really cool that DeMarcus Cousins said that when he got traded. I think the return they got for uh, James Harden is good. Uh, the last couple years, the Rockets haven't had a lot of good draft picks to be able to big, build a young core. I think by dealing James Harden and getting these picks, and even if it's late for a first-round pick, you got to draft well. You have to develop talent. I think Steven Silas is a good coach. He's worked his way up. He was an assistant for quite a long time. And now he's getting his chance to be a head coach in the NBA, which is good. I had a ton of respect for his dad. His dad, legendary coach in the NBA, Paul Silas, great coach. Steven Silas, head coach of Houston. Mason Jones is the who the fuck is that guy for this week. The last segment I want to talk about is Major League Baseball. The players' union go them against the owners. Now, Major League Baseball, this past Monday, rejected the league's proposal to delay the season by a month and shorten it by eight games. The proposal that the owners gave the players was to shorten the season by a month, and it's those eight games, but the players were still going to get paid that full amount for the season. So they weren't going to lose pay. All they were going to do is lose eight games. What the owners were trying to do is delay the season because of the pandemic. But also the owners wanted to delay the season because they didn't want to lose money with the ballpark, you know, the funds that it takes to run the ballpark each and every game. They want to try to save a penny. So I understand why the players rejected it from that standpoint. What I don't understand from the player's side is that if the owners are willing to pay you your full salary for those eight games you missed, plus your regular salary, what do you got to lose? We're in the middle of a pandemic. The NFL and NBA have already had to suspend games because of the pandemic. The NBA more than the NFL. It's been over 20 games suspended in the NBA so far. They say they're going to play them out. I don't think it'll happen. That's just me. There's more players on the roster in baseball than there is the NBA. Baseball didn't have a minor league season last year, so the rookie ball, single A, double A, triple A didn't play any of their games. They had one of those traveling squad teams, as they call it. So any player that went down last year, you'd be able to call them up from a traveling squad. They're going to do that again, I think, this year. They're going to try to play some uh, minor league games. Hopefully the younger players can develop. When you don't have young players to be able to go through your ranks and they're not getting the seasoning and everything, it makes your GM have to work harder, which is fine. But it puts more pressure on him to make sure you sign the right guys. Because you want to be able to build depth, especially during a pandemic, in case the player goes down, in case so there's an injury, anything. So I think veteran players are the key during this pandemic to fill out a roster, especially a contending roster. Now, if you're a young roster, you kind of go with the pieces and you go from there. You know, Tampa Bay Rays, you know, they made the World Series, they lost. 
they got a young roster. They got a really good farm hand. They want those players that develop in the farm. They don't want to call them up and use their options, things like that right away. So that the pandemic hurts them from a developmental standpoint. But if I'm a team who's contending, I sign a lot of veteran players for this season in case somebody goes down or somebody gets coronavirus, things like that, which I hope doesn't happen to anybody. But if you're a contender, you want those veteran players in because they're dependable. Usually with the younger player, it takes a little bit more time to not only get acclimated to the season, but get it going. Uh, the one negative about a veteran player is toward the end of the season, they kind of wear down in terms of the, the amount of energy they still have left in the tank. But they've been to the show. They know what they're doing. You can count on them day, game after game. So for Major League Baseball, remember, after this season, the players' union and the owners, I call it a CBA. That's what they call it in basketball. I can't remember what they call it in Major League Baseball. But it's their, the contract between players and the owners. That contract is up. Usually they negotiate like every 10 years or so. So after this season, the contract's up between the players and the union. They have to come to a new deal or a strike will happen. I've said this previously. I think there's going to be a strike after the season. I hope it doesn't happen, but I think there will be. The players and the owners were arguing last offseason. They're arguing again this offseason. So far, they haven't even came to agreement on when baseball should start. To me, it's baseball needs a big year. I mean, the ratings are on a decline. You're not getting as many fans in the stands even before the pandemic, as they previously were. Major League Baseball needs a big year from a rating standpoint to get those fans back to who left, to put out a great product, and to be able to keep going forward. Because if not, it's not just going to hurt the owner's pocketbooks, it's going to hurt the player's pocketbooks. And you're seeing that this offseason with players' contracts so usually a lot of players get that multi-year deal. If you notice, and this happened a lot probably over the past month, month and a half, there's been a lot of one-year contracts. The, the owners don't want to invest in players if they're losing money, so they're not going to invest in two, three, four, five-year deals when you're losing money each and every year. The owners are going to be stubborn. They're going to want to keep as much money in their pocket as possible. So if the game's not making money, not only are the owners losing money, but the players are not getting that guaranteed long-term deal that they wanted. Now, everybody can't be like Trevor Bauer and get $40 million a year. But you see guys getting that one-year deal who should be getting multi-year deals, and I don't understand it. The owners have money. They don't want to spend it because they're set to lose a lot more money this year, like they did last because of the pandemic, there's going to be some fans in the stands and some stadiums, but not a lot. We're not going to be at full capacity, so the owners are going to take a loss. You saw what happened last season at the end of the season with the owners not wanting to spend money, how this offseason has went. And ultimately, if things don't turn around, you're going to see another bad offseason next offseason in baseball. So the owners and the players have to come together. They have to put a good product on the field. They have to bring in some money. They have to get TV ratings up. Baseball needs it. The people that love baseball need it. 
you know, the owners will use COVID-19 as an excuse all the way until the very end. Because that's another way for them to save money. They're going to use the pandemic as an excuse. We're, we, we're losing this amount of money. Can't afford to give out these big deals, blah, blah, blah. Already saw the Francisco Lindor deal. We knew it was going to happen. We, but the Indians didn't want to keep paying a guy this much money when they're losing money. The Dolans, one of the cheapest damn owners in baseball. Them and the Miami Marlins, San Bay Rays owners. So baseball, it's it's in a little bit of bind. I hope baseball, the players and the owners can come to an agreement and get the season started. I know a lot of uh, fans are you know love baseball, love watching it, love going to games. Things like that. Me personally, like I said, I've said before, I'm a Reds fan. Uh, I don't have a lot of optimism for the Reds this season. I think they're going to finish maybe the middle of the pack in the NL Central, if not the bottom. Uh, losing their ace, Trevor Bauer, is a huge loss. The Reds didn't even basically make an attempt to sign him. They're, they got like a draft pick out of him. Great. The Reds don't hit on draft picks. Why? Because their scouting department sucks. Their GM's not very good. And the ownership's cheap. Now, if you do what the Tampa Bay Rays do, what they do is they don't spend a lot of money on free agents. They draft really well. They develop their talent. And then when it's time to sell their really good player, they sell them really high and at the right time. And that's why you see the Tampa Bay's Rays seems like they make a World Series now like every seven years. As a Reds fan, I'll take that shit all day. I haven't seen the Reds haven't been to World Series in 1990. But going back to the owners and the players, they have to come to an agreement for not just this season, but going forward. And I hope it works. I think Rob Manfred's a terrible commissioner. He's one of the worst. Him and Gary Bettman, probably the two top. So we'll see how baseball goes. Again, I appreciate the new listeners. You can like me on Facebook at Good Guy Grant. Follow me on Twitter at Good Guy Grant One. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the day. And uh, I got Tampa Bay winning the Super Bowl. Thanks.